I trust that you were blessed by the worship this morning. Amen. That last song is, is just, well, all three of them are powerful, but um, I, I, I find myself still lingering on the words of that last song. You know, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. And I'm still in the palm of your hand. You know, there's lots of times we go through all sorts of things, right? I mean, life happens. Um, but to know that we are still firmly seated in the palm of his hand, he's still got us. You know, he's a faithful God. He's faithful to the very end. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never will let you down. He hasn't let you down, and he never will. Your promise still stands. Hallelujah, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, Jesus. We serve a faithful God this morning. Amen. And again, one of the reasons I'm so pleasantly surprised, um, so there Pastor Tracy is putting together her song list, um, or the song list for this week for Sunday, right? Um, not chatting to me and saying, hey, Stuart, do you think we should put this song in at the end? And, you know, how do you feel? What do you think about this? And there I am preparing my message and not, and not saying, hey, Pastor Trace, what do you think? Do you think I should minister on faithfulness? What do you think? Right? So here we are in two different homes, uh, two different parts of Centurion, and God drops the same message. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm a faithful God. The verse of scripture that Pastor Tracy prayed over me, again, you'll, you'll, you'll see it in my message this morning, right? That's just the way he works, amen. And, that, and really what that tells me um, is that there's, this is a word for someone here this morning, amen. He, let's, let's just think about this for a moment. God would not have gone through all the trouble of synchronizing Pastor Tracy's song list with my message, and there isn't a word here for someone in this place this morning. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I'm blessed already. I'm already feeling like, wow, Holy Spirit, you just go, go for it. Um, say what you want, do what you want, completely have your way. And so the title of my message this morning is exactly that, Faithful God. That's, that's the title of my message. He is a faithful God. Now, what does it mean to be faithful? Um, when we speak about faithfulness, we speak about someone who's loyal. So we speak about qualities like loyalty, uh, steadfastness, staying power, right? Someone who sticks around, someone who's got the ability to remain, even in the midst of opposition or adversity, more than enough, um, always available, regardless of the situation, constant and consistent. Constant means always, continuously. Consistent means you're not up today and down tomorrow, right? You're the same. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like a God that you know? Someone who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hallelujah. Faithful God. You know, I was thinking about um, Uncle Loazi, as we call him. Uncle Loazi, Brother Loazi. You know, and, and, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, what a, what a picture of faithfulness. What a picture of faithfulness. You know, always here, and not that it's about attendance. Not that it's about ticking an attendance register, right? That's not what it's about, right? But what a picture of faithfulness. Someone that you know you can rely on, you can depend on, reliable, dependable, consistent, and constantly the same. Like, I struggle, to, I struggle to think about Uncle Loazi and try to think of when was Uncle Loazi a little bit offish? Like, when was he not Uncle Loazi, you know? When was he in his feelings? And, man, it's hard. It's difficult to try to think of a time when I remember greeting Loazi and I could see, ish, oh, it stole me here. You know, let's just give him his space. Let's just give him his space. Ever faithful, ever diligent, ever consistent, Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, if you are a faithful supporter of a particular football club, and we don't need to name names. This is not the place for naming names. Hallelujah. There's grace and there's mercy here. However, 
if you are, if you call yourself a faithful supporter of a particular football club, it means that you support them and you're loyal to them and you stick by them even when they lose against teams that they should not and ought not to be losing against. You're still faithful. You don't suddenly change your allegiance because they're not doing well, because the superstars are not shining, because they're not consistent, because they're not constant. You are the loyal supporter. You are faithful to that football club no matter what. And you know, my late father-in-law, he was a faithful Liverpool supporter. Through the 30-something years of dryness and barrenness and no trophies and nothing happening, and them not winning the Premier League, die hard. They don't call him a die-hard Liverpool supporter for nothing. He was faithfully, consistently supporting them until eventually it happened. They won the Premier League again. And man, they won just about everything there was to win. You know? But he was not swayed or, 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 or he didn't change his mind when he saw that the performances weren't there. He remained faithful. Amen. So, let's look at the faithfulness of God in David's journey, right? Let's look at David's life, let's look at his journey, and let's examine the faithfulness of God in David's journey. And the first thing, or the first aspect, you know, because there's so many aspects to the faithfulness of God, but the first aspect of the faithfulness of, God's, of God in David's life is when it comes to favor with man. Okay, so that's, that's the first particular aspect that we're going to look at. So David's favor with man. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 18. Reading from the New International Version. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, and he is a fine-looking man. Now, I know it sounds like they're speaking about me, but this was, remember, this was David, right? He's a fine-looking brother. Imagine, just, just, just think about this. Imagine someone is, person A is asking me about, about one of Pastor Tracy's sons. They're asking me about Daniel, right? You know, have you met this young man? What can you tell us about him? Man, you guys need to meet Daniel. What a good-looking young man. He's so steadfast. He's so dependable. Wow, what a musician. Wow, what a student. What an accomplished academic at school. Wow, he's so consistent. And wow, he's so bold. You know, he's fearless. He doesn't fear anything. Now, why did David have this kind of favor with man? If you stop there, you're going to miss it. He was, he, knew, he was knowledgeable. He knows how to play this particular instrument. So he was knowledgeable and skilled. So he knows how to play this particular instrument. He's brave, right? He's not a coward. He's not going to run and hide when things get rough. He's brave and he's a warrior, so he's got, again, a certain level of skill. This is someone speaking about David. He speaks well. He's, he's, he's eloquent. He's good-looking. And the Lord is with him. And the Lord is with him. I believe wholeheartedly that the reason that David had that kind of favor where someone else could speak so well of him the reason David had this favor with man is because of that very last sentence in verse 18. Because the Lord was with him. Had it not been for God faithfully being with David, it's quite possible that he would not have had that level of favor. And it's quite possible that that report would never ever have been communicated. Amen. But because the Lord was with him, David experienced favor with man. Imagine for a moment, whichever company you might uh, possibly be employed by, but imagine for a moment there's a, there's a high-paying position within that organization, a vacancy that's come up, that's opened up, and the CEO asks a question, 
You've been in and out of his office and the CEO asks his personal, personal assistant a question about you. Can you tell me a little bit about this individual that's just come and gone, that just popped into my office? Imagine, imagine the possibilities as that personal assistant begins to, begins to essentially sing your praises and, and give this fantastic report so consistent, so diligent, the first to report at the office, the last to leave, so diligent in their work, always responding to emails, always there at the drop of the hat, never held or constrained by their job description, always going above and beyond what the job description says. Imagine if that's the report that the CEO receives about you. Imagine the possibilities. You see, the reason why I'm giving you this example is because it's important for you and I to understand that having favor with man opens up doors and creates opportunities for God to bless you. The reason why God will give you favor with man is not so that you can be the most popular person in the office, not so that you can be the most po popular student at the university or at the college or at the technicon or at your high school or even at your primary school. That's not the reason why he's giving you favor with your peers or favor with man. He's giving you favor with man because he's setting the scene. He's creating a, a, an environment that's conducive for him to step in and for him to bless you out of your socks. Amen. Let's look at David's ability to overcome evil. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 37. Again from the NIV. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. We all know who he was talking about, right? That was Goliath. So this is David, and he's speaking to Saul, to King Saul, and he's saying, listen, I've been here before. I'm not intimidated. I'm not scared. I know the track record of my Lord and my Savior, my King of Kings. I know exactly what he can do. He's, he's been there before. He's rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And he will do what he's already done in the past. He will do once again, and he will, from the hand of this Philistine, he will also rescue me. And so Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. We're talking about God faithfully being with David. Even Saul, even an outsider, recognizes, wow, this is not just a young man who's skilled at, at combat, at hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's not because of his own skill and his own ability. Even King Saul recognizes the reason why this young man has a victory of the victory of the victory is because God is with him. It's because he's got a faithful God who's mighty to save, who's been with him and remains with him. And so even Saul says, David, go and the Lord be with you. Let's look at David's rise to power. Amen. 2 Samuel 5 and verse 10. And he became more and more powerful. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty was with him. He became more and more powerful. Again, and, I, and I'm sorry for, for repeating myself, but it's important to make this crystal clear. David did not become more and more powerful because of David's good speech. David did not become more and more powerful because he made the right connections. David did not become more and more powerful because he was a skilled musician or because he was a skilled warrior. David became more and more powerful. He rose to power because the Lord God Almighty, faithful God, was with him. Amen. And so I've coined this David's recipe for success. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 14. In everything that he did, he had great success. In every single thing that David did, he had great success because the Lord 
was with him. So, Stuart, what's the secret to achieving and attaining great success? I mean, some of us are praying, and some of us are praying prayers, Lord, please will you make my business successful? Lord, please will you make this new joint venture that I'm about to embark on, Lord, will you please make this successful? 1 Samuel 18 verse 14, in everything that he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. The faithfulness of God, if you walk with God and God walks with you, you will not just have success, but you will have great success. Are you noticing the trend? Amen. Now, one of the things that we tend to do, whether it's false humility, whether it's because we might be listening to some, some false agreements that the enemy is whispering in our ears, but one of the things, one of the messages that we tend to um, find easy to, to agree with, even though it's such a lie from the pit of hell, is we tend to think that, you know what, um, we need to get ourselves in order first. You know, let me first sort myself out. As a matter of fact, a lot of young people who haven't yet made the decision to serve Jesus, to, to, to have Jesus be their Lord and Savior, a lot of them, for a lot of those young people, the excuse is, look, I know I'm not, I'm not okay right now. So I know that I'm off track right now. So let me just, you know, I don't want to come to God like this, you know. You know, I, 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 I'm very, you know, and that's why I say maybe it's even a false humility. You know, I'm in awe of him. I know that he's a holy God. You know, so I'm not just going to come the way that I am, you know, all shabby and tattered and torn. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't, don't think that you can sort yourself out there first on your own. You're already fighting against the enemy. You're already lost. Now you're saying that you'll sort yourself out there. And once you sort it out, then you'll come to Jesus. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. Come to Jesus. He'll sort you out. Hallelujah. Come to him. Come to the altar. Come to the Savior. Come where there's grace. Come where there's hope. Come where there's deliverance. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so often, we don't like to identify with our weaknesses. We often tend to think that um, if we are weak, then it sounds, it sounds strange, but if we, if we have certain weaknesses that, that, you know, everyone notices, you know, we, we, we're sort of giving off the wrong persona. I would encourage you this morning, drop the mask. Well, okay, no, no, wait now, wait now. <laughs> you see, <laughs> two years ago, that would have been okay to say, I, I don't mean your, your, the, the mask that you're actually wearing, right? But this, this facade, that's the word, this facade that you and I even as believers, even as believers, is it okay, Pastor Trace, can I say that? Even as believers, right? So even as believers, we put up this facade, and we don't want anyone to see our weakness. But I love, you know, I love this faithful God, because even in our weakness, he sees an opportunity for him to be strong, for him to come and step in. Hallelujah. So let's go there. Amen. Let's look at God's faithfulness and how it extends even in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, reading from the New King James Version. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me put it a different way. Therefore, I will rather admit my weaknesses rather than putting up a facade and pretending that everything's okay because I want to allow the power of Christ to rest upon me. Hallelujah, Jesus. The word sufficient in this passage of Scripture means enough. And I almost tend to think it's a bit of an insult when we think that God's grace wouldn't be enough. Like, Stuart, you don't know. I hear you and you're saying nice words, but you just don't know the things that I've done. Please don't insult your Lord and your Savior. 
my grace is sufficient for you. It's not, my grace is sufficient for those who haven't committed murder. My grace is sufficient for those who have not um, uh, uh, committed adultery. No, no. I don't know, maybe your Bible is saying something else. My grace is sufficient for you. End of story. God's grace is enough. There isn't anything else required. There isn't a shortfall of God's grace. Imagine. He isn't giving you less grace than what you need. And therefore, you need to keep in mind that somewhere, you don't have to have a plan B when it comes to the grace of God. We love to do that. I'll speak for myself. I love to have a plan B. So I'm the type of person, I'm very analytical. I'll say, okay, guys, give me the facts. Let's analyze. Let's see what we need to do, right? But even when I've done that, so when I've gone through that process, right, and I've analyzed all the facts to death, right, and I've got a plan, you better believe that I've got a plan A and I've got a plan B. So I will come back to you and I will tell you, listen, I've analyzed the situation. This is, this is what we need to do, right? This is my legal advice to you. In the first instance, what we ought to do is we ought to do 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 right? In the event that doof, 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 doesn't work, there's a plan B. This is what we're going to do. This will be our plan of attack. If plan A doesn't work, this is what we're going to do. You don't have to do that when it comes to the grace of God. He's faithful. Hallelujah. His grace is sufficient. Amen. He's faithful to provide you and I with a sufficient amount of grace. In this passage of scripture, Paul is boasting not about his own might or his own holiness, but in his faithful God whose power is made perfect in weakness. This God who is so faithful that he steps in when he sees that we are weak. You see, where other people in our lives, and I'm going to say even close family and friends, would have abandoned us and walked away and turned their back on us, he remains faithful. This faithful God begins to perfect, perfect us by taking us through a process. Why do I say it's a process? Because when I look at that word, the Greek word for perfected in this passage of scripture is the word telatia. And it speaks of a process, a journey towards maturity, a process of becoming perfected. So it's not just an instantaneous fix. Hallelujah. But it's a process of becoming perfected. Hallelujah, Jesus. You see, God does not require you and I to first be strong and first get it all together in a nice, neat package before he shows himself to be sufficient, gracious, and faithful to us. He meets us at the point of our need because he is a faithful God. Amen. I'm going to read it, the same, same passage of scripture, but this time from the Amplified Bible. So 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 from the Amplified Bible, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. I want you to just, to just think back to when we were describing what does faithfulness look like, right? The words that we were using. More than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation. Does that sound like the description of faithfulness that we gave at the beginning? More than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will at I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. When we are weak and most in need, the power of God shows itself most effectively. That's its prime area or environment to operate effectively in. Our weakness, our frailty, our illness, our sickness, all these things that we tend to want to hide and cover up, it does something very important. It invites you and I to recognize and acknowledge, firstly, that we are weak, and secondly, that we are dependent on God. 
I'm going to say that again. Our weakness, our frailty, our illness, and our sickness, it does two very important things. First of all, it invites you and I to recognize and acknowledge that we are weak. Because a lot of us tend to think that we've always got it all together. And secondly, that we are dependent on God. You've not been brought into this holy family. You've not been brought into the fold for you to sit there independently. Independent of anyone else. Not needing any help. Not needing any assistance. Not needing to call on anyone. You are dependent on God this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Faithfulness is one of the leading attributes of God for which God is praised throughout Scripture, together with loving kindness, mercy, and graciousness. The faithfulness of God means that despite our human failings, God will never let go of us. In other words, in spite of myself, God has still got me. Hallelujah, Jesus. God will be true to his own promises. Faithfulness practiced by God and imitated by human beings is constancy, steadfastness, loyalty, and firm devotion to others. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at the different aspects of God's faithfulness in Scripture. So let's look at the reach of God's faithfulness. Now, what do I mean when I speak about reach? I don't know if you guys, if, if there's anyone who's into boxing, you guys would know from a message I preached quite some time ago that I'm a huge boxing fan. My wife, absolutely not. She won't even watch one round, but that's okay. There's some things that we are allowed uh, to have different views on. Amen. So boxing is definitely one of those. Um, so someone like Anthony Joshua... He's a big guy, he's a tall guy, and usually the taller you are, the longer your reach is. It's usually, there's usually some sort of correlation between your reach. In other words, how far I can stretch my arm out to give you one here on the chin, right? That's my boxing reach. There's usually a correlation between that and height, right? So for example, I mean, look, I can't complain. God has blessed me in so many other ways, but clearly I'm not the tallest guy around, right? So someone like Pastor Paul, for example, will have a longer or a further reach than me, right? He's taller than me. He's probably got a longer arm than me, right? And he can probably, if, if we were ever to, and now you can picture this, right? So yeah, here it is, Pastor Stuart and Pastor Paul, right? There they go, boxing gloves on. And probably before I could even get there, his reach would have already knocked me out, right? So, you, so now you know, if, you know who to bet on, right? I mean, right? Okay? However, I'm not that short, right? So Sally Ann is shorter than me, right? Yeah, you, you probably see her in her high heels and you think, nah, 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 nah. actually, I'm actually taller than her. So what happens at home, in my, in my abode, hallelujah, in my, in my castle, what happens is when she can't reach a jar or a glass or whatever it is at the, uh, at the top, you know, the very top of the shelf, then she says, Babe, Nunus, Nchunchus, please, man, just come get this thing for me, please. And there I come. Sure, babe, no problem. There you go. All good. Don't worry. How's the weather down there? Right? Why? Because I'm taller than her. But what we're speaking about is reach, right? I want to look at the reach of God's faithfulness. Go with me to Psalm 36 and verse 5. Psalm 36 and verse 5. Reading from the Amplified Bible, Your loving kindness and graciousness, O Lord, extend to the skies. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. We're talking about the reach, the extent, the height of God's faithfulness. How high is God's faithfulness? How high up does it reach? Well, according to Psalm 36 verse 5, his faithfulness reaches to the clouds. 
I'm not sure, you know, certain Sunday, schools, certain Sunday school songs are popular in certain regions. So in KZN, there's a Sunday school song that's really, really popular. The love of Jesus is so wonderful, the love of Jesus. And then it goes on to say, it's so high, you can't get over it, it's so low. You can't get under it, it's so high. You can't get around it, oh, wonderful love. It's so high that you can't get over it. How high does the faithfulness of God reach? It reaches to the clouds. Can you or I standing here on earth reach the clouds? No, we can't. What does that mean about God's faithfulness? It's so high that you and I cannot reach it. We can't climb over it. Hallelujah. You can try if you want to, but that's how high his faithfulness reaches. You will not be able to climb over it. Amen. Now let's look at the quantity of God's faithfulness, right? I want us to look at the quantity of God's faithfulness. So when we speak about quantity, we speak about, so quantity is a form of measurement, right? We speak about how much of X do you have, right? So if I'm walking around with a two-liter bottle of Coke, Coca-Cola, the quantity of Coke that I have in my possession is exactly two liters, right? That's the quantity of something. How much of that thing do you have? I want to look at the quantity of God's faithfulness. Exodus 34, verse 5 to verse 6. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Or faithfulness. So he's abounding in faithfulness. How much faithfulness does he have? He's abounding in faithfulness. If something is abounding or something is in abundance, then it means that there is a very large quantity of that thing. So if, for example, um, you were a very good singer, I would be able to say to you, wow, you are abounding in vocal talent. If you are a very good uh, pianist like Pastor Tracy is, I would say, Pastor Tracy, you are abounding in musical talent and musical ability. If your child is a very good soccer player, I'd be able to say to you, ma'am, do you know that your son or your daughter is abounding in footballing talent? You should see about investing some time and some money in that abundance of talent. If you are a a very talented writer, if you have an, then you would have an abundance of literary talent. Hallelujah. And I would encourage you to speak to Pastor Paul and Pastor Tracy to see how that talent could be harnessed and how they can get you to unearth your very first book. Because you're abounding in literary talent. You see, when something is abounding, or in abundance, it means there's lots and lots of that thing. There's more than enough of that thing. It comes in a very large quantity. So how faithful is God? Answer, abundantly so. Abundantly so. How faithful is God? He's abundantly faithful. Amen. Now I want to look at the enduring power of God's faithfulness. The enduring power of God's faithfulness, specifically in the context of covenant loyalty. The enduring power of God's faithfulness, but specifically in the context of covenant loyalty. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 from the New King James Version. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant. He's the faithful God who keeps covenant. It's one thing to have a covenant. It's one thing to make a covenant. But covenants, if they are broken, then what good is that? 
What good is it if you have a covenant and that covenant is now broken? In, 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 in simple terms, a covenant is an agreement. So if you and I enter into a contract, if you and I enter into, a, into an agreement, and three weeks down the line, or even five weeks, five days down the line, I see that you're already not sticking to the terms and conditions, it means you've broken covenant. It means you are in breach of your contractual obligations. You're not someone who keeps covenant. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for how long? For how long? How long, Stuart, how long must I keep this agreement in place? Hmm? You're asking a hard thing of me. How long must I keep covenant with you? How long must we abide by these terms and conditions? The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. For a thousand generations, that's how long. Amen. He never violates the terms and conditions. He always keeps covenant. It's in his nature to do so. Amen. Just like Satan is the father of all lies, in other words, it's in his nature to lie, it's in God's nature to keep covenant. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now I'd like us to look at God's faithfulness in forgiveness. None of us would be sit sitting here this morning under his covering, under his grace, with him as king of our lives, with, our, with him being our Lord and our Savior, if it wasn't for God's faithfulness to forgive. Amen. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Not he is faithful and just and will think about forgiving us. Not he is faithful and just and might forgive us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Often we ourselves find it hard to forgive others. And even still, as strange as it sounds, we often find it hard to forgive ourselves. We do. We, we, uh, again, it's almost, this, it's almost this sense of, yeah, I, I, I deserve to go through what I'm going through now. You know, because of the wrong thing that I did, I accept it. I accept it. You know, this is, this is, this is my punishment. God has forgiven you. He doesn't even remember that sin anymore. It's as if it never took place. He's faithful and just, and he's forgiven you, and there you are punishing yourself. He's faithful to God and to protect us from evil. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3 from the Amplified Bible. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you, setting you on a firm foundation, and he will protect you, he will protect and guard you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. What does he do? Because he's faithful, he gives you strength. He strengthens you. Not only does he strengthen you, but he sets you on a firm foundation. So you're not walking on shaky ground. He's made sure that you are set on a firm foundation. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say that he will protect you and he will guard you from the evil one. Why? Because he knows that, that that's the devil's agenda. He knows that the devil is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he knows that as a faithful God, one of the things he can do for you and one of the things that he does do for you is he protects you. And he guards you from this evil one. So here's my question to you. Is there a way or a path of God that is not faithful? Do you think it's possible? Do you think that there's possibly a way or a path of God 
that is not faithful. Here's the answer. Psalm 25 and verse 10. All the parts of the Lord are loving kindness and goodness and truth and faithfulness. All the parts of the Lord, all his ways, Lord, I want to know your ways. All the parts of the Lord are loving kindness and goodness and truth and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And so if all the parts of God, our Lord, our Savior, are faithfulness, as it says in Psalm 25, what then is our response? So you've heard that all of the parts of God are faithfulness. If you, by any chance, never heard it before, if by any chance it's, 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 it's coming across as a revelation, you've never seen it this way before. I love something Pastor Tracy always says, there's always revelation and response. Revelation and response. We get a revelation of who God is, but it doesn't stop there. There's a response that comes from you and I. What then is our response? Let's go there. Because faithfulness is so key to God's identity. Those who are made in the image of God and renewed in that image through Christ are called to be faithful. You are called to be faithful people keeping promises, being obedient, and staying rooted in God's truth. So our response is to serve him faithfully. Our response is to serve him faithfully. 1 Samuel 12 and verse 24. Only fear the Lord with awe and profound reverence and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you. What's your response to this faithful God? Your response is to serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Another part of our response to this faithful God is to write faithfulness on the tablet of our heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 to verse 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. So what's our response? Our response is to write faithfulness on the tablet of our heart. In the Amplified Bible, the same passage of Scripture says, let these qualities define you. Let these qualities define you. That's so powerful. In other words, when they speak about you, when if someone was to interview one of Sifo's friends, and they would say to him, and they, would, and they would to say to that person, can you just tell me what are the defining characteristics of Sifo? Just give me in a few key words, what are the qualities that define who he is? Imagine for a moment that that person, do, person doing the interview gets the following response. Wow. Sifo is such a faithful guy. If I was to pick a quality, something that defines who he is, I would pick faithfulness. First one to arrive here in the morning. One of the last people, if not the last person, to leave this place. So faithful. So faithful. Let these qualities define you. Biblical authors attribute faithfulness to God very frequently. And it's often paired with things like love or righteousness or justice. Faithfulness, of one of, uh, faithfulness is one of God's signature traits. 
whether in his works, his judgments, his plans, or his covenant dealings, which we've spoken about, God is the one who may be relied upon to maintain a steady course. God's people are often very trying towards him and towards each other, but that doesn't sway God. He keeps on faithfully. Hallelujah. Now, there are certain qualities or certain attributes of God that are communicable and some that are incommunicable. If you think about a communicable disease, right, um, that should help you paint the picture, right? So something that's communicable is something that can be transferred from one person to the next, right? Now, there are certain attributes of God that are incommunicable. That is, human beings cannot share these qualities or these attributes of God. So let me give you an example. God alone is eternal. God alone is omnipresent. God alone is omniscient. And God alone is omnipotent. However, God also has a set of communicable attributes. Characteristics that even though they define God... As human beings, we can also share these qualities or these attributes. And these include, amongst others, love. So God is love, but you can also operate in love. You can also operate in mercy. And certainly, you may not think so, you may not feel so, you may not believe so, but certainly, faithfulness as well. God stays true to his word no matter what. God can be counted on to come through. Although as human beings, we cannot be perfectly faithful the way that God is faithful, we can strive to be promise keepers. We can strive to be faithful servants who do what we say we will do, who can be counted upon to follow through, to tell the truth, and to be reliable in all things. We can press towards the mark. We can strive, hallelujah, to be faithful as he is faithful. Amen. We respond by walking faithfully in God's truth. Psalm 26 and verse 3. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked faithfully in your truth. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and the way that I've lived my life is I've walked faithfully in accordance to your, tr to your truth. 3 John and verse 3. For I was greatly pleased when some of the brothers came from time to time, and they testified to your faithfulness to the truth of the gospel message. That is how you are walking in truth. Again, it's you and I emulating what we see God do. Because he faithfully keeps his covenant, we ought to faithfully walk in the truth of his word. Amen. We also respond by declaring and, pro and proclaiming God's faithfulness. Psalm 89 verse 1 to verse 2. I will sing of the goodness and loving kindness of the Lord forever. With my mouth... I will make known your faithfulness from generation to generation. For I have said, goodness and loving kindness will be built up forever in the heavens, unchangeable and majestic. You will establish your faithfulness. Our response to this faithful God is to declare and proclaim God's faithfulness until he comes. Hallelujah. Psalm 89, verse 1 to verse 2. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. That was reading from the NIV. Hallelujah. So where do I start, Stuart? I've heard all that you've had to say about faithfulness and God being a faithful God, I want to respond in the manner that you've spoken about. But where do I start? 
Do I need to do some, perform some grand gesture to get God's attention? Do I need to volunteer to faithfully fulfill some mammoth task? No. On this journey of faithfulness, let's begin a right. Let's begin by being faithful in small things. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The master here praises his servant for being faithful over a few things or being faithful over small things. And because of this exemplary faithfulness, the master rewards the faithful servant by increasing both his resources and his responsibilities. And just as an FYI, just in case you didn't know, being faithful over small things is actually a discipline. You see, sometimes it's more difficult or challenging for you and I to be faithful over small things. Often what happens is if we are given a task, and it's quite an important task, it's quite a big task, right? Um, it's something that's going to receive lots and lots of attention, then because it's something big and important and we know that it's going to receive a bit of a spotlight on it, then actually it becomes easier for us in that particular context to, to, to give our all, to be faithful and to be diligent. Why? Not because we've acquired the discipline of faithfulness, but simply because we know this task is going to be put on display. So therefore, let me give my best. Let me give my all. And it's often in the small tasks, in the small things, in the little things, where we lack the discipline. We, we're not able to be, to, be, to be faithful with the insignificant, with the mundane, with the day-to-day, -day, with the small stuff. Amen. There's a character-building discipline that is to be acquired in being faithful with small things and gradually graduating to bigger things. The one area where you see this a lot is someone who's never, ever, ever been faithful with cash. Never. Doesn't know what it is to be faithful with money. All of a sudden, they come into an inheritance or they come into a windfall or they come into lotto winnings, right? And they become a multi-mega millionaire. It's not long. That person who's never known what it is to be faithful with a small amount of cash, in, in no time whatsoever, they squander that cash. They squander it, they waste it, they completely deplete it. Why? They've never learned the discipline of being faithful with a small amount of cash. Now you throw a whole bunch of money at them. Do you expect anything to be different? Do you suddenly expect them to be a financial manager who's able to, 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 to properly manage their finances? It's not going to happen. Faithful with small, and then I bless you. I shower down blessings upon you. I bless your business, and I give you bigger and bigger and bigger contracts, bigger and bigger tenders. Why? Because you are faithful with something small. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's my story this morning. Amen. And probably quite an apt place for us to stop this morning. Amen. You see, oftentimes, we praying for breakthrough. We're saying, Lord, um, please, you know, you're the God of the breakthrough. You know, this, this is what I'm looking for. Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart. You know that, you know, I want this business to thrive and I want it to flourish. Father God, you know my heart. You know, Lord Jesus, what I want. You know that, Father, I want you to bless me, Lord, so that I can be a blessing to others. 
That's what I want, Lord. I want to be, I want to be a kingdom financier, Lord. I've heard Pastor Paul say it so many times. Lord, I, 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 I identify with that. My spirit makes a connection with this phrase, kingdom financier. I want to be out there financing mission work. Hallelujah. I want your, I want your message, the message of the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. I want it to go, hallelujah, Jesus, to all parts of the globe. Hallelujah, to the, to the uttermost parts of the African continent. Lord, I identify Father, bless me. Powerful prayer to pray. Really powerful. But have you given God a reason to believe that you're able to be faithful with the little and that he can then come along and entrust you with more and more and more and increase you in power more and more? and influence more and more. Have you been faithful with the little that he's given you? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord Jesus. Your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is sufficient for us, Lord God. Father God, if it wasn't for your grace, none of us would even be found here. If it were not for your love towards us, Lord, if it weren't for the fact that you are such a faithful God to us, faithful even to the point of being willing to release and allow your only begotten Son to come down from heaven to earth and to be tortured, humiliated, spat upon, ridiculed, crucified. Such a faithful God. When we think about you, we understand that you as Father God, you look down upon your only begotten Son, your only Son, your one and only Son, being treated in that manner. But just like Jesus, who saw the end in mind, Father, you were faithful. And you saw, you literally saw me. You saw me, you saw um, the potential. You saw, Father God, this treasure that you would place in this earthen vessel. You saw us here this morning on the 26th of September. You saw us sitting here in Royal Elephant Hotel. You saw us sitting in this very room. And you said, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm going to be faithful to them even when they are not faithful to me. In other words, even when they're still lost, even when they're still lost in sin, even when they're still lost in idolatry, even when they're still completely seemingly without a hope, even in that particular context, even in the context of rebellion, I'm still going to be faithful to them. I'm still going to be there for them. I'm still going to be able to be relied upon. I'm still going to be dependable. I'm still going to be steadfast. I'm still going to be firm. Faithful irrespective, even irrespective of whether they accept my son as their Lord and Savior or not. Even if they turn their backs on me, I'm not going to turn my back on them. Faithful to the very end. And so Jesus, our prayer this morning is that God, you'd remove the scales from our eyes, yes, even as believers, where we've believed lies of the enemy, Lord. Where we've even made agreement with those lies. Father, we, we begin to repent, first of all. Forgive us, Father, even as we forgive those who've sinned against us, Lord. We know that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Father God, we want to do a 180, hallelujah. We want to do a complete roundabout and we want to start agreeing with your word, meditating upon your word and applying your word. We want to do what your, what your scripture says. We want to walk in the truth of your word, hallelujah, faithfully, diligently. And Father, that little that you've put in our hand, 
We'll open up our hand and we see what is it that, you, that, that you've placed in our hand, Lord. Whether it's a rod, whether it's a staff, whether it's a stone, hallelujah, a pebble that we've taken from the river to put into a slingshot, whatever it is that you've placed in our hand, Father, we will take that little, Father, and we'll be diligent and we'll be faithful, Father God. And we know that in due course, in due season, at the God-appointed time, we know that, Father, you will bless us, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing with more and more and more. And I pray for an open heaven over every single member of this local assembly this morning in Jesus' mighty name. An open heaven over your businesses. An open heaven over your workplace. Hallelujah. An open heaven over the position that you occupy, wherever that position might be. An open heaven over you, even as a student. Hallelujah. That the blessing of God would rain down over you. That even as you're faithful in your studies, He would accelerate your understanding. He would accelerate your, your assimilation of the study material. Hallelujah. Even as you begin to pour over, over chapters and chapters and chapters of study material. Hallelujah. Where you found it difficult in the past to fully absorb all of that content, all of that learning material. You'll find it so easy even as you're faithful in the little hallelujah Jesus. He'll give you revelation. He'll give you understanding and he'll push you and he'll elevate you and he'll lift you up to the top of your class in Jesus name. Your, your business won't just be one of many other businesses. If your business is, is in the construction industry, you won't just be one other business in the construction industry. God is going to elevate that business of yours and make it the top business in the construction industry. Hallelujah, Jesus. And you can put... Whatever industry you want to, you can attach it, you can appropriate it, you can make it your own this morning. Hallelujah. Whatever industry you operate in, you work in, whatever, op whatever industry your business functions in, don't just be satisfied that you are one of many, but trust God and believe Him that even as you are faithful, day in and day out, nine to five, and even after five, putting in the extra effort, that he will bless you and he will prosper you and he will make you more and more powerful and you'll become the go-to person in your industry. Hallelujah, Jesus.